We read together to remind us of where we are going, that is towards Jesus, allowing the scriptures, the Holy Spirit, and the family of God to form a fidelity of allegiance to him alone. Please read aloud with me as we confess this together. It was by faith that Abraham obeyed when God called him to leave home and go to another land that God would give him as his inheritance. He went without knowing where he was going. And even when he reached the land God promised him, he lived there by faith. For he was like a foreigner living in tents. And so did Isaac and Jacob, who inherited the same promise. Abraham was confidently looking forward to a city with eternal foundations, a city designed and built by God. Well, good morning. Welcome to Faith Church. Really glad you are here with us. My name is Matthew. If we haven't had a chance to meet personally yet, one of the pastors here, and uh, it's a joy to get to be here and open God's Word as we study some things together. So if you have your Bibles, join me in Hebrews 11 and in Genesis chapter 12. Hebrews 11, New Testament, almost all the way to the right. Genesis 12, all the way to the left. Kind of put some bookends there. We're going to get there. In a minute, um, uh, many of you know I've been having some, some knee issues as of late, and this past week um, went in for surgery, just kind of a, a, a small kind of procedure, a little scope on my knee, and so uh, if it's all right, I'm going to sit, and if it's not okay, I'm still going to sit, and uh, I don't promise to stay seated because sometimes I get preaching, and that just kind of happens, so we're just going to kind of go with it, but I'm going to sit. I'm doing well. Everything is great. We're moving, uh, walking for the most part unassisted, a little slower than normal, but we're on the road to recovery, and so I just appreciate all. Many of you have been praying and asking and texting, and so really, really appreciate uh, those prayers and those things this week uh, for us. Uh, We've in a collection of sermons entitled The Stories of Faith, Stories of Faith, where we're looking at some of the key stories in Scripture of people who demonstrated a real allegiance and loyalty to Jesus. People who, the Bible says, it was credited to them as faith, as righteousness, as as something that they did, a life, a choice, something going on in them that, that God looked at them and says, these are people of faith. And what we're discovering is that the stories of old inform our life story today. There's a strength of faith that can be found when we look back historically, biblically, scripturally to the people of God, and even in our own life and our own world to to the family and the people of God. We all have a story of faith. I, I grew up in a Christian home. It's one of those things. In fact, it wasn't just a normal Christian home. It was a charismatic Christian home. And uh, in charismatic Christian world and in church services, we didn't have like hour-long services. They weren't like hour and a half-long services. Two hours was a good quick day. Two and a half hours, three hours, somebody was moving and something was happening and there were stories that would be told. But as a kid growing up in those environments, and I'm grateful for my heritage in a lot of different ways and uh, learned a lot, grew a lot, things that God's taught me th- throughout the years. And um, one of the things though I remember as a kid was, uh, you know, when you're in kids' church for two hours, two and a half hours, three hours, you have to come up with real creative ways to keep kids engaged. And we had these songs that we would sing. It wouldn't just be normal worship but then they would have like other songs that we would sing and they would find ways to make the songs go really really long like continually in circles and one of the songs that we would sing was this song called father abraham 
Father Abraham had many sons. Many sons had Father Abraham. Yeah, I am one of them. Yeah, so let's all praise the Lord. Right arm, Father, right? And we would go through like right arm, left arm, right foot, left foot, nod your head, stick out your tongue, turn around, sing it faster, sing it slower. Like there were 17 versions of Father Abraham. Perhaps for all of the generations represent, I don't really know, but that was part of my heritage, part of the story. But what was beautiful about that, that song is that I learned the story of Abraham. Abraham in the Bible is known as the father of the faith. Like he is big papa to our Christian faith. Like God Almighty, he's heavenly father. Yeah, 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 absolutely. But the Bible refers to Abraham as the father of our faith. And one of the beautiful things as we think about this idea of Abraham being our father and we're looking at these stories of the Bible is I think that there is an element of understanding our faith's legacy. We live in a world where we talk about what's your legacy going to be? What are you going to be known for when, when the end of days approaches for your life, when you take the last breath on this earth? What is it people will look back and say was true of the story of your life? For Abraham, it's he was the father of faith. What, what, was it a, what would it be for, for you? What, what is the legacy you are currently curating for the next generation in your life? I think this is a question that we need to stop and look at. Are, are we curating a story of faith? Or are we curating a story of our own selfishness? Are we curating a story of political bigotry? Are we curating a story of personal preference? Are we curating a story of whatever our kids want, that's what they get? Are, are we leaving a legacy of our kids where they worked hard, they didn't curse anybody out, and they did their darndest? All oh, maybe not bad things. But what is the legacy that you're leaving? What is the story you're currently writing? What, what are the things that are going to help your children, help the next generation, help you in your own life? Stand before God Almighty with a clear conscience and said, God, everything you put in my hand, I've stewarded in a way that brought you glory and honor. What is it about our life that we're writing? What is the story that we're telling? What are we going to be known for? Uh, we, we, we've said it this way, that, that the glory of a person is what they're known for. When uh, the glory of LeBron James is that he's a really great basketball player, second only to Michael Jordan. <laughs> Perhaps a little bit of personal preference there, but whatever. Really, it's the glory. What is somebody known for? God, Moses was trying to get a hold of God in the Old Testament and says, God, we don't want to go anywhere that you're not and we want to know what you're known for. God, reveal who you are. Show us your glory. And God said, Moses, I'll let you see my goodness. We just got done singing about the goodness of God. The goodness of God is indeed the glory of God. What God wants to be known for, one of the th hallmarks of the God who we serve beyond the Almighty, beyond the Creator, is that he is a good God. And his goodness is towards his people, towards his family. There's a story that we are linked to. Your story isn't in isolation, friends. Your story is linked to people and patrons and saints and those who followed Jesus faithfully in this location years before you ever showed up on the scene. 
You are a part of a family and a heritage of followers of Jesus, of believers, of people who loved God with all their heart, soul, mind, and strength, who sweat, who sacrificed, who gave, who served, who were a part of the family of God, not only in this location, but in this area, this region, and, and it goes back generation upon generation upon generation, and, and one of the things that we learn about God through the story of Abraham is that God is a generational God. See, for the people of God, it wasn't that they just, it was God in the abstract. No, it was God, the father of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. It was a multi-generational God. God is not just interested in your life. He's interested in the lives that came before you and the lives that will come after you. I need to take a deep breath for a minute. He's a generational God. And there are some beautiful things that we see from the story of Abram and the story of Abraham, the same person, name change later. We'll get to that a little bit later on. There are some things that are important for us to understand if we're going to, to look at the legacy of what one man was so that we could then examine the legacy that we're in the middle of creating and curating and the story of our own faith and our own life. Let's go to Hebrews chapter 11 and look, look at what the scriptures say of Abraham and Abraham and in Hebrews 11, starting in verse 8, this is what we read. It says, it was by faith that Abraham obeyed. Somebody say obeyed. Okay. When God called him to leave home and go to another land that God would then give him as his inheritance. He went without knowing where he was going. That's more than just a nice little rhyme, dropping some bars for the scriptural writer of Hebrews. No, he was letting us know that God called Abraham to go someplace, but didn't exactly tell him where he was going per se. There were some specifics left off, but yet Abraham obeyed anyways. Verse 9, it says, and even when he reached the land God promised him, he lived in that land by faith, for he was like a foreigner living in tents, and so did his son Isaac and Jacob, who inherited, don't miss this, the same promise, legacy, generational. There is, here, somebody needs to hear this today. There is no shelf life to your prayers, and there is no shelf life to the promises that God has given you. In other words, until they are completed and accomplished, they're still in motion. They're still in motion. There are prayers that God is answering today that were prayed hundreds of years before. Generations. Some of you are sitting in a seat in a church right now because someone prayed for you. And you're just hoping lightning doesn't strike you because it's the first time in a while that you walked in a door. Welcome. I have it on good authority. Lightning won't strike today. Amen. <laughs> it's generational. There's no shelf life to the promises of God. Abraham and Isaac, they inherited the same promise. Verse 10, I love this. Abraham was confidently looking forward. Where was he looking? He was looking forward to a city with eternal foundations, a city designed and built by God. Friends, legacy of our lives is found in the faith of our lives. I would propose to us today and perhaps suggest for you to stop and to think and to consider for just a moment that if the legacy of your life is being written and pursued and it is absent of some faith in God, you might want to reconsider your life's priorities, story, and testimony. 
that the calling of God is that we would become a people of faith, of, of loyalty, of a commitment that confidently look forward. Faith is forward towards the future. Faith is forward towards the future. It's having a clear understanding of what was behind us, building upon those things, but still looking for the future. Friends, it's time for a new frontier of faith. This year as a church, we've decided that our theme, and we're declaring that our theme is Faith 2.0, a new future, a renewal around some ideas and some thoughts that are historic and orthodox of disciples who make disciples. We're moving forward in faith into a new frontier of our culture, but we're anchored to something thing of a different legacy it's not just something that we're pulling out of thin air no faith is a forward looking for the future of god and his ultimate reign and a new creation here on this earth abraham was looking forward to something he was looking forward to some promises of god he was looking forward to a future friends i came to just inspire some of us a little bit today from the word of god that it's time to stop looking down at the ground it's time to stop looking inward for self appeasement and self betterment but it's time to lift your eyes to the hills from where you're i don't know what's happening right now but there's something stirring in me today that you just need to sit down buckle up get out your notebooks and write down what the holy spirit starts speaking to you because i think he's going to start saying some things to some people it's time to stop looking down into the ground looking back into your past it's time to recognize that there is a future for you to go into a new frontier of your faith to not sit back on your backside but to get up to lay hold of the things and to take some steps forward in your life of faith there's a faith that wants to move us forward and there's some things from the life of Abraham that I think are important for us to grab a hold of today. And, and if you're taking notes, I want you to write some of these down. And if you're not taking notes, go ahead and pull out your phone and jot some of these things down. Here, here's point number one today. I want you to notice from the life and the story of Abraham that Abraham was called. He was called. In the Bible, there are kind of two big ideas and understanding that it's important for us to grab a hold of as it relates to God's calling. One kind of God's calling on our life is, has to do with the assignment that he has for your life. I am called. There has been a call on my life to fulfill an assignment in a role within the local church. There is an assignment on your life. Your assignment is different than my assignment. But you still have to obey and respond to the assignment rather than stay sitting on your assignment. There's an assignment God has for you and there's a calling that he's placed on your life and your assignment often aligns with the giftings, the character, the personality and the story that God has brought you out of. There's an assignment for your life. Everywhere you go, I want you to recognize part of your assignment is to be an ambassador for the kingdom of God. So you're not just driving truck, you're driving as an ambassador for the kingdom of God. You're not just parenting a toddler, you're raising new ambassadors for the kingdom of God. There's an assignment on our life, and one thing that is true of all of us is that we are assigned to an ambassadorship in the kingdom of God. You're not living for your own life. You're living your life as part of a story that is reflecting the glory and the goodness and the, and the kingdom and the life of God. It is an assignment on your life. There is an assignment on my life. There's an assignment on your life. And that's part of the call that God has for your life. But there's another kind of call that the Bible talks about. And this calling has a lot to do with our salvation. It has a lot to do with our salvation. Now, there are some theological uh, I'll stop short of an argument. Whatever, there's an argument. We'll, we'll still call it a debate. 
There's some theological debates that have been going on for many, many years as it relates to how someone gets saved. The, the soteriology of our faith. Is it a sovereign act of God and there's nothing you can do about it? God alone chooses, selects, and elects, and they therefore calls people? Or is there an element of free will at work and you choose to respond to the message of salvation and your free will is at work in the saving act that God does? Is it this or is it that? Yes. It's both and not near as much either or. It's both and not not either or. There, There have been many times I've preached and talked about how God adopts us and calls us and he, and he chose us and he brings us into his family and people have come up to me and they said, Pastor, are you, are you a Calvinist? And I just smile and I say, no. And then there are moments I preach and they come up and say, Pastor, you must be an Arminian. And I just smile and look at them and I say, no, my name is Matthew and I believe in Jesus and what the scripture teaches. Like, There is both and, and there are some weight of scripture that help me understand some things on one hand, and on the other hand, there's some other weight that keeps me anchored to some other things too. Which one is it, pastor? Yes. God does the heavy lifting, and there's an element that you have to respond to the call that God has placed on your life. I believe with all of my heart that salvation is more than just a moment of conversion, but it does take a moment of, of consecration and repentance that initiates some things before God. There, there is both and. It's not a little bit. It's both and. And I believe that God is the one who calls us by his spirit at work in us. Read Romans 8. He is convincing us of our need for Jesus. It's John 16. You can read about the Holy Spirit's activity there. And we get to respond with belief and our repentance. Listen to Acts chapter 2. And which now then God comes and he says, I adopt you and put you into my family as a son and a daughter, redeeming you, saving you, justifying you, and through the spirit and your obedience I'm going to sanctify you and by my work and my power I will preserve you until the end of time it's a both and friends I I think it's important that we recognize that we are not all children of God John 1 and verse 12 Jesus or John writes and he says that for those who believed in the son those he gave the right to be called children of God. Here in our world and our humanity, does every human being bear the fingerprint and the imprint of the character of a creator? Absolutely. And as we discover those things, it helps us know who to point to and look to as the creator of our world. But friends... Those who have put their faith and their trust and their hope in Jesus, who have experienced his salvation, they are the ones God says, I give the right to be called children of God. And it's important for us to understand that there is something that God is calling and wooing, and as long as it is called till today, you have an opportunity to respond to the pulling and the tugging and the work of the Holy Spirit in your life to come and to believe and to repent and to move in the direction of Jesus and experience the salvation of God. Salvation is something that I think has a momentary impact. It is a process of something ongoing, and the Bible writers often refer to a salvation that one day will become full circle as well. It's, it's more than just a moment, and it's more than just a process. 
It's all these things that God is working. And when the Bible says Hebrew and Evans, that, that Abraham obeyed as God called him, that word called is the Greek word kaleo. And it means to be called unto salvation, this, this calling out, a separating out where, where there is a call of God. Abraham was called, and God came to Abraham and called him. And that same calling we can experience with the Holy Spirit through the teaching of his word, through the presenting of the understanding, from discovering of, of his work in our lives. We see God at work, and we're like, oh, God is at work in me, and, and I'm going to respond to what God is doing in my heart and in my life. And we can enter into this relationship with Jesus and we leave our life of sin behind and we move forward and press on towards a life and relationship with Jesus. This is what God is hinting at in the life of Abraham. In fact, I'd never really seen the story of Abraham clearly depict the story of our salvation. A picture for us to understand, a narrative, a, a, um, a, 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 not a parable, um, but like a, a fable almost for us as we look into the narrative. It's a true story, so it's not like a, a fake fairy tale. I, I'm not trying to say that Abraham's story was all made up and it's just for us to understand. No, I'm just saying that there are lessons to be gleaned and understood that sometimes when God wants to communicate a truth, he tells you a real story. And we look at the understanding of what that story is. And so I want to go back to Genesis 12 and look at this story because I want us to understand and see this call to salvation, this call to repentance, this call that God gives and is issuing, I believe, to every person who will hear him call. For any of us who would be willing to stop and to listen long enough, we'll hear this call of the Lord in our lives. First Peter tells us that God doesn't want anybody to perish. And he's patient and waiting. Because he wants everyone to come to repentance in him. Which means it's open for everyone. It's not just a selective favoritism of God. There's an element of our ability to respond in repentance to God, and he's calling us. But let's look at Abraham's call for just a minute. Genesis chapter 12, starting in verse 1. This is the story of Abram, who would later become Abraham. So don't get confused. Again, it's the same person. The Lord said to Abram, I want you to leave your native country leave your relatives, and leave your father's family, and go to the land that I will show you. I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you and make you famous, and you will be a blessing to others. I will bless those who bless you, and I will curse those who treat you with contempt. All the families on earth will be blessed through you. So Abram departed as the Lord had instructed, and Lot went with him. Abram was 75 years young when he left Haran. He took his wife Sarai, his nephew Lot, and all his wealth, his livestock, and all the people he had taken into the household at Haran, and headed for the land of Canaan. When he, they arrived in Canaan, Abram traveled through the land as far as Shechem. There he set up camp beside the oak of Moreh. At that time, the area was inhabited by the Canaanites, descendants of Cain. The land of Canaan was where God was leading Abraham, but Abram didn't know that that's where God was leading him. But we get a kind of a sneak peek, kind of, we've read the end of the story, we know where God was leading him, and so the Bible writers are letting us know, hey, listen, he didn't know where he was going, but we know where he ended up going, and it was this place of Canaan, and I think it's important to recognize and note that because Abram was not living in Canaan at the time that God called him. 
God called him and said, Abram, I want you to leave your native country. I want you to leave what you know is familiar. I want you to leave your normal routines and patterns and priorities. I want you to leave what you think is most important and discover a different value system. I want you to leave your native country. Friends, the call of God in our salvation is that we would leave our old life and discover a new life in Christ Jesus. It's a call out of darkness and into light. It's a call out of our comfort zone into a walk of faith, not one that we see everything, know everything ahead of time, but we know the one who is leading us. The life of faith is the call that Abraham experiences, the same call that God is issuing to us as the people of God to leave so that we can move into what God has for us. It's a calling into a new identity. It's the calling of something that was into something that God says will be. It's a walk of faith. It's a life of faith. And the story of Abraham helps us understand that Abraham was called, which means that because through his life we are going to experience a call too, and because Abraham was called to leave his country, there are some things in your life that likely you are called to leave. Look at 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 8 through 12. Let me read these verses to you. And it says this, And he is the stone that makes people stumble, the rock that makes them fall. Peter is talking about Jesus here, okay? He's talking about Jesus, the rock of our lives. And they stumble because they do not obey God's word. And so they meet the fate that was planned for them. But you are not like that. For you are a chosen people. You are a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's very own possession. As a result, you can show, that, show others the goodness of God. For he called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Once you had no identity as a people, but now you are God's people. And once you have received, uh, once you received no mercy, now you have received God's mercy. Dear friends, I want to warn you as temporary residents and foreigners pause who else was referred to as a temporary resident and a foreigner abraham abraham he was a temporary lived in tents nothing permanent we're living in some tents that aren't necessarily permanent because there is an ache within the human soul for something that would be more permanent, that would be more perfect, that would be more redeemed, that would be absent of the decay of sin. And there's an opportunity for us to experience that. There's a promise. There's something that we can hold on to. And it starts with the call of God, where God is calling you to leave a life of sin, to leave the world of darkness, to leave that merciless life into a merciful life to leave darkness and walk in the light of God there are some things that God is calling us into he goes on to say be careful to live properly then among your unbelieving neighbors then even if they accuse you of doing wrong they will see your honorable behavior and they will give honor to God when he judges the world Friends, I think part of the life and the call, if you're trying to discover the call, if you're trying to hear God's voice and you want to know what it sounds like and want to know what it looks like, can I just encourage you to begin to practice listening to just the little nudges toward holiness? Yeah, 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 I don't, I don't think you need to say that. I, I don't think you need to react that way. I don't think you need to watch that. 
I don't think you need to, to listen on that one. I don't, I don't think that's a trustworthy source of, of, of life and information. I don't just listen to the little nudges and the whispers that are going to move you towards a life of holiness that God has called you to. Because the call of your life and the call on my life is this salvation, and part of this salvation is a life of, of holiness. Here's point number two. Abraham wasn't just called. Abraham was not only called, but he was also led in stages. The life of faith is one that moves in stages. Here at Faith Church, we say it like this. The life of faith moves forward one next step at a time. One, one more next step. One more step forward. Look at Genesis chapter 12. The, the, the story keeps going. Starting in verse 7, it says, Then the Lord appeared to Abram and said, I will give this land to your descendants. And Abram built an altar there and dedicated it to the Lord who had appeared to him. After that, Abram traveled south and set up camp in the hill country. With Bethel to the west and I to the east, there he built another altar and dedicated it to the Lord. And he worshiped the Lord. Then Abram continued traveling south by stages toward the Negev. He traveled in stages. When it talks about Abraham obeying God, and Abraham obeyed, in Hebrews it used that word, and Genesis it talks about it, it's, it's this Greek word um, that I'm not able to pronounce, so let me spell it for you. H-Y-P-A. K-O-U-O with a hard line over it. I practiced it many times this week. Not going to try it. Here's what that word means. It's a verb, and it means to obey. To obey. With nuances and component of hearing and then doing. Hearing and then doing. Abraham was led in stages as he heard and then obeyed. You hear and then you obey. One of the reasons why it's important to train your kids to be obedient and one of the reasons why in our home we really strive for first-time obedience but we don't hit that mark very often, bless the Lord, O oh my soul, and all that is within me, is because as a parent, I want to help my children learn to hear a voice and be obedient. C.S. Lewis said it like this, to have faith in Christ means, of course, trying to do all that he says. There would be no sense in saying you trusted a person if you would not take his advice. Thus, if you have really handed yourself over to him, it must follow that you are trying to obey him, but trying in a new way, a less worried way, not doing these things in order to be saved, but because he has begun to save you already. Not hoping to get to heaven as a reward for your actions, but inevitably wanting to act in a certain way because a first faint gleam of heaven is already on the inside of you. You want to know what that first faint gleam of heaven is? The Holy Spirit, who has been a depositor guaranteeing the eternity that we get to experience with God. 
part of the salvation work that God does in our life that we respond to and move in is in our obedience. We allow ourselves to be yielded and understand that the Holy Spirit takes up residence inside of us. And it is the Holy Spirit who wants to lead you, to guide you, to walk with you, to help you understand how to live a life that is faithful to God, how to live a life of loyal allegiance to God, how to live a life that pleases God. And without faith, you can't please God because anybody who wants to come to God must believe that one, he exists, and two, he responds to those who seek him. It's an ability to hear and then obey, hear and then obey. Can I let you in on what my entire story of my life of faith really has been up to this point in my life? It has been a series of just hearing what God is asking me to do and trying to be obedient to that. I don't know how to lead a church, but I do know how to hear God and be obedient to what God is saying. I don't really know how to raise a family in 2020, what year is it, 2, 22? I'm just trying to hear what God has to say and be obedient to that. I don't know what the future holds, but faith requires that I look forward to it. And in my faith, be willing to listen and then obey. I listen and then obey. It's step by step you lead me, not leap by leap you lead me. I think we have some misnomers in our life that, life mu- that faith must be leaps of faith. Where? Are, are there moments of risk? Yeah. Are there moments of self-denial? Yeah. Are there moments of uncertainty? Of course. But I think sometimes we get up in our head that if it's not big, if it's not grand, if it's not major leap, then it must not be God. Says who? Not God. Following Jesus is about incremental steps of your faith. You're not going to change and transform into the image of God overnight. It took you a lot of years to get this screwed up. It's probably going to take you a little while to get on this screwed. There's a life of faith that he's calling us to, and it starts by listening and then obeying. It's long obedience in the same direction. It's a compounding interest of your obedience to God, stage by stage, step by step. It's being willing to say yes in this season when everybody around you is telling you to say no. It's about taking a first step and saying, I'm going to go to growth track and learn what it means to be a part of this family. And I'm going to serve and I'm going to be on a team and I'm going to be a part and I'm going to discover some of my gifts and learn what that looks like so that I can be a contributing part to the family of God, to the mission of God, to the things of God. And if you've never taken growth track, take a step this week and go. It starts right after the service. As soon as I sit down and be quiet, we're going to dismiss and growth track starts right at 11 o'clock in our growth track room. You show up, take a step. Okay, let me give you another illustration. Uh, in our life of worship, look, look at what Abraham did. Abraham heard God. He moved forward in a step. And as he took a step, he met God's faithfulness, saw God's goodness at that step. And as a result, he lifted up worship and created an altar of praise before God. There was a place of encounter for Abraham on the other side of his last obedient request from God. Some of you have, have missed the presence of God because you still haven't obeyed the last thing God asked you to do. God's been nudging you to do something and you just haven't done it yet. It's time to obey. On the other side of today's obedience is another encounter with God worthy of praise. God will reveal a new element of who he is step by step, stage by step, 
obedient moment after obedient moment. And most of the time, the, the obedience that is required comes from understanding there are some things that I need to leave behind. The legacy of your faith will be linked to your obedience in faith. The legacy of faith that you're leaving for your children will be linked to the priorities that you help them create around following God and obedience. Taylor, you can come on up. We're going to, part two will be next week of this sermon. Because what I want us to understand is next week we're going to talk about the covenant blessing and how the covenant blessing was linked to Abraham's obedience, but his obedience was, there was something that was built on his life. It was a a life of covenant blessing. And that blessing went on from generation to generation to generation. But, But part of the story of Abraham and Sarah that you need to understand is that every stage in the story of Abraham was another test of their faith another test of their loyalty and commitment to do it God's way versus their own way, to do it his way versus the way of the culture of the day. I I don't have a problem with parents who um, have their kids in lots of sports. Those are choices you get to make. Here's my only pushback, parents. Are you doing it in obedience to God? Because that's what God says is the best way to craft and to train and to shape your children for the destiny and the purpose that he has for their life. Or is it just the way that the culture says this is the best thing to do for your kids' social skills and their abilities? When when a parent can look at me in the face and says, Pastor, we feel called to this. Be blessed. Watch the fruitfulness and the faithfulness of God show up on on the other side of that obedience. But what I've discovered is that most of us, when it comes to our money, when it comes to our sexuality, when it comes to our political opinions, when it comes to raising our kids, when it comes to our everyday habits and patterns and our entertainment and all the things, most of us never stop to ask God what he wants. I don't want my legacy as a dad to be a presupposed decision for what God wants. I want to teach my kids how to hear what God wants and just walk it. Friends, we're called. We're called to a royal, holy priesthood. And please, please, please hear my heart. That's not a condemnation for any of us. But I think it's worth our time to stop and to pause and to say, God, is this what you want for my family? Is this what you want for my life? Is this what my life and my story of faith needs to look like? And if we never stop and ask God, then it's an area in our life that we have not submitted and surrendered to God. I want to help you this week. Every decision that you make, especially minor ones, because if you get it wrong, it doesn't really matter, right? Like, 
they're going to start World War III with a little decision. It's a bad example, bad timing. It's just, it's, it didn't actually mean any of that. Can I blame it on like the drugs from the surgery? Is that like, I don't When you make a decision what you're going to have for lunch today, God, what is it we should have for lunch today? And just listen for a minute. Same spirit that raised Christ from the dead lives on the inside of you if you're a follower of Jesus. Does God care whether you have McDonald's or La Hacienda? Probably not. That's not the point. The point is you're, you're using little things to begin to discern and to discover the voice of God so it gives you opportunity to practice being obedient to God's voice. And if we can learn to be obedient in little things like McDonald's or Mexican, and I believe the Lord is saying it's Mexican, that's really what's in my heart today. <laughs> if we can learn to do that, then when it comes to whether or not we purchase this or purchase that, we say yes to this opportunity, we say no to that opportunity. We, we start this relationship or we remove this relationship. We take this job or we don't take this job. We live a life that is holy and pleasing to God because we've learned to train our ear to be obedient in the little things. This week, I'll share some more practical things for parents as we ball season starts to kick off again. I, I really want to help you parent your kids well if that's a part of your lifestyle, part of what, the priority of what God has placed for your family to do. I, I want to help you to do it and, and honor God in the process. And there's some things I'll share on social media that I think could be practical and helpful for you. My press today isn't this or that. That's it's immaterial. But my press is there's a legacy of our life and our story that we're telling. And I want to be like Abraham. I want you to be like Abraham and Sarah who obeyed when God called. You obeyed when God beckoned you in and onward. A life of flourishing is on the other side of your obedience. And that's where we'll pick it up next week. Would you stand as we come to the table of the Lord? If uh, you have your communion elements, go ahead and just begin to open those up. You can kind of peel the top layer back and get the bread in your hand, and then you can grab, open up that next layer and have the juice there and when you get them, just kind of hold them right there. When we're finished and we dismiss, you'll be able to take your empty cups and our host will be at the door to kind of collect the, the trash there. So you can just hold on to those. Would you just take a minute, once you get your elements open, to just pause before the Lord. Take a couple slow, deep breaths and just ask the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, what are you saying to me? What are you saying to me? Some of you, it's the call. You know God is calling you to not just believe in him, 
but to repent and leave some things behind. There's some old ways of living that you know God is saying it's time to leave those behind and move towards him. There's some repentance that's required in this moment. Some sin that we need to lay aside and get rid of. Some things that are distracting and distorting our view of God and God is calling us today closer to him in a relationship with him. Maybe you're in the room or watching online and you know that there are some things of obedience that you just haven't walked in. There's some risks, there's some costs attached to the obedience and you just haven't taken that step yet. But maybe today the, the Lord is stirring some faith and you know today's the day. You're going to make that step. You're going to make the phone call. You're going to do the thing. You're going to step out. You're going to change an approach. You're going to reprioritize some things. There's something of obedience that God is calling you into. There's another step that he's asking you to take. Father, for many of us, as we come to the table of the Lord and we have the bread in our hand and the juice in our hand, the bread which represents your body broken for us and your blood that was poured out which brings forgiveness to us, Lord, we hold these elements in our hands as a moment of reflection, a moment of commitment, a moment of repentance from our sins. But Lord, for many of us, this is a first step of faith moving in your direction. It's a, a first moment of surrender to say, God, we don't want to do it on our own. We want to do it your way. And we want you to be the Lord in our lives. Lord, you're speaking to each of us today. I pray that we would have ears to hear what you're saying to us. And now, Lord, by way of sealing this moment and making a fresh commitment to follow you, of, of re-upping our allegiance and faith to obey the call that you put on our lives, we take this bread together. And Lord, in the same manner, we take this cup knowing that it's your power and your blood that cleanses us, allowing us, propelling us to be able to move forward, making us right in relationship with you. We take this cup proclaiming those things. Thank you, Lord. Now, Father, it's my joy to pronounce a blessing over your people today. Lord, would you bless them and keep them? Would you make your face shine on them and be gracious towards them? Would you lift up your countenance towards them and give them your peace? I pray that everywhere they go this week, they would hear your voice and obey and that we would know without a doubt, that we are radically loved by you, Jesus. We pray these things in the name of the Father who loves us, the Son who died for us, and the Holy Spirit who lives within us. And the people of God said, amen. Hey, friends and family, I hope today's message was life-giving for you. I want to ask you to take a next step and go ahead and click the subscribe button so you never miss another chance to have an encounter with God. And while you're at it, take another step and share it with a friend. Maybe post it on your social network or 
text a coworker the link. And when you do that, you are partnering and get to be a part of seeing faith come to life in them. Hey, if Faith Church has made an impact in your life, if these messages are helping you gain traction in your faith, would you consider partnering with us financially? When you do that, it helps us widen our reach so that more people can have an encounter with the real Jesus. You can find information and ways to give on our central hub, faithchurchks.org. If, you're, if you live in the Southeast Kansas region, we'd love to see you in person at one of our Sunday services. You can find those times on our hub as well, faithchurchks.org. Hey, remember this, God is for you and we love you.